0: about God's message getting out to the world. And that's what we're here today to do. We are here to get the message out to the world of God. Now, talking about crisis mode evangelism today, we're not focusing on the bad. We're not focusing on the fear. We're not focusing on our anxieties or the bad news. Today, we focus on the good news. We live in a world that seems pretty hopeless. This leads some people to live persistently in negativity, in the lack of positive expectation. So I have a question for you, and maybe just for you to think to yourself. You you don't really need to write this down. You don't really need to tell anybody this. um, But just think about it. Are you a hopeful person? Or maybe do you struggle to have hope? How about your friends or your neighbors? Are they hopeful people? Is hope just optimism or wishful thinking for you? Because if so, you need to have a change of attitude. You need to see what God's Word says about hope. You see, for Christians, hope means expecting something good or joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. This is what we have to look forward to. This is something that is certain. It's undeniable. It's something to trust in, in both times of trouble and times of goodness. Before we go any further, though, I have one other question for you to think about. And this one I want you to ponder a little bit more. This one, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to even write it down to be able to think about throughout this week, throughout this month, throughout the coming months, since we're nearing the end of this month. Here's the question. What do you live for? What do you live for? Here's the follow up question for that if you're taking notes still. Is the fame of Jesus' name in all that he brings to a person's life of most importance to you? Or is comfort and ease of life what you desire? Let me repeat that just once more for you. Is the fame of Jesus' name in all that he brings to a person's life the most importance, of most importance to you? Or is what's most important to you comfort and ease of life? Is that what you desire? Because I think how we answer this question helps to paint a picture for us of what we place our faith in, what we place our hope in. And during this time of crisis mode evangelism, we need to be making sure that we're delivering faith, hope, and love in troubling times. We're going to be talking about this throughout today's message, but it starts with us. And then we need to make sure we take it to the world. And if you don't tune in for the rest of this message, if you turn it off, if you tune out, if you go for that bowl of cereal or to put that dish away and you forget to turn it back on, I want you to hear this. Crisis mode evangelism, delivering faith, delivering faith hope, and love in troubling times, it starts with you. It starts with your families. It starts with your friends, your neighbors. It goes beyond yourself and it goes to the world. But we need to make sure we are delivering the faith, hope, and love in troubling times which points to Jesus. Which points to the cross. Which points to a hope that does not end, that will last forevermore. And today we're going to be looking to a story from Paul. To one of his letters in Philippians chapter 1. You see, we find ourselves in troubling times. Anybody that says it's not troubling times, I think is lying to themselves. I know that there's people who want to say this is all a hoax, this is all a lie, it's all a government cover-up of something. But even if you think that way, it's still troubling times as we're having to obey these bans and these laws and being banned to our homes. Or at least for the most part. We don't know what to do with ourselves besides possibly sitting on our couches, watching TV, having Netflix binges, and maybe scrolling through social media and laughing and resharing all these jokes, all these memes about the time we're in, about this COVID-19 situation. But it is troubling times. Now, some of this is to be expected. Some of it is good. It's good to be looking at these social media posts, and it's good to be sharing some positive, good news stories, some jokes with people. It's good to be watching the news to know what's going on. It's good to share with your family in the reading of a good book or the watching of a good TV show or movie. But we need to make sure at the end of the day, and maybe at the beginning of the day, that we point first to Christ. In all things, Christ needs to be magnified. The cross needs to be proclaimed. The love of God needs to be shown to the people around you. And that's what we see in the life of Paul. You see, Paul was so concerned about Christ being magnified, Jesus being proclaimed, that he didn't care about his own afflictions, his own imprisonment, his own sufferings. If anything, he only talked about them and used them to be able to point... A light, shine a light to God. What helps most in troubling times is our faith, hope, and love. Faith equals trust. Trust is in God. We need to trust in God, the creator of the universe, our savior, and our refuge. This faith that we have available to us is the same faith that was available to Paul. But we don't always look to it as much as Paul because we get so distracted of other things happening in our life. But you see, Paul's life was so wrapped up in Christ, in the gospel, that he wanted nothing more than to see the gospel advance to the nations. Even if it meant that others sought to add to his afflictions, add to his suffering, add to his troubles. But even in his afflictions, his house arrest, his jail time, his... Prison or separation from who he thought to be his mission filled audience, even with all of that, he would still make a way to proclaim Christ when he was stuck in prison. How are we going to proclaim Christ in these troubling times? How are we going to deliver faith, hope, and love in these troubling times? You see, when life circumstances get difficult, it is easy to become focused on ourselves and how to best minimize our discomfort. But Paul encourages us to remain firm and live in a way that is worthy of the gospel. Paul reminds us to see, to, to see and use these times of afflictions as great opportunity to spread the love of Christ to all people. Use it to glorify God. Let's now look to Philippians chapter 1 and let's read this together. Philippians 1, 12 to 18. I hope you have your Bibles open. But this week I did put it on the screen for you as well. So let's read this together. Philippians 1, excuse me, 12, verse 14 now. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of good will. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. And finally, verse 18. But what does it matter? Listen to that. What does it matter? Only. Only. That in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Thank you very much for following along. Paul says in verse 12, as we started off, I want you to know... Brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, I want to set this up just a little bit for you. You see, with Paul, he was, he was imprisoned at this time. He's writing this letter from prison or from being imprisoned, having a jailer, having a guard guard him at all times. And yet he writes this saying that despite all that's happened to him... This is actually advancing the gospel. Now notice how he addresses the people. He says, Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters. Now, some believe that this might have he might have started off this way because he he had the Philippian church sending him letters or sending people to relay a message to him asking, How are you doing? Some commentary said maybe even they were thinking about taking away support for him because they thought, hey, you're in jail, you're imprisoned, surely you're not continuing to do your ministry, so maybe we need to shift our focus. But Paul knows the Philippian church and everybody really goes through times of suffering, times of affliction, and he wants to encourage them. He wants to challenge them. He wants to show them that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. The Apostle Paul lists his extensive sufferings in Second Corinthians chapter 11. And I don't know if anyone recorded in history has suffered so much for Christ over the course of years. Multiple near-death floggings, gruesome stonings, shipwrecks, danger on the road from both places and people. Great sufferings over an extended period of time. Is there an equal to Paul's suffering? Probably not. Yet, in all these things, when we look to the life of Paul, boy, I love looking to the life of Paul. I love studying his life. I love looking to his life because what we see is in all his troubles, in all his afflictions, he uses them to magnify Christ. How do we use our afflictions to magnify the name of Christ? He made sure that the gospel or the good news of Jesus was advancing. At all times, even when imprisoned. In fact, he goes on to say, It has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. So at a time when people would look to him being chained, look to him being imprisoned and would say, His imprisonment is because of Caesar. His imprisonment is because he's breaking the rules, breaking the laws. He says that's not the case. People look to him and see him in prison and they see something more. They see he is imprisoned because he is in Christ. Because he believes so much in his face, his trust in God and the hope that he has through Jesus and the cross. His sins forgiven. The love of God coming down from, from God's presence into the form of Christ. And living and dying and raising from the dead. This is why he is imprisoned. And he encourages the Philippians that nothing can stop the advancement of the gospel. Even as he's imprisoned, he is still doing the work of God. Now, what a great reminder we have in the life of Paul, too, that God can and you will use anybody who is willing to submit themselves to following after God. You see, Paul is this man who used to persecute Christians himself. But then he became himself one of the most used people by God to distribute the good news to the world. We have this great reminder to never discount ourselves, never discount our friends, never discount our enemies and think, surely God does not want me to go to them. Surely God does not want me to tell them about the good news. Surely God doesn't want me to tell them or tell myself that God wants to use me or use them because God will and can use anybody maybe you feel ill equipped maybe you feel unworthy we're not the ones doing the equipping we're not the ones making ourselves worthy we are getting equipped by god and he is the worthy one after paul was saved he immediately began preaching about jesus his conversion story is miraculous and recorded in several places in the new testament I encourage you to look to the book of Acts and see that conversion story. But after his conversion story, he immediately started proclaiming Jesus. He began a traveling ministry, planting numerous churches in the name of Christ. And when he was not present with the churches, he still cared for them. Get this. He cared for them by writing letters of encouragement and teaching. He was like a father to those churches, correcting them and showing them the right way to follow Christ and to love one another, as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and um, verses 11 through 12. But what I want you to see is this as we start to move on from this little intro, Paul was not always with the people. And right now in this time of crisis mode evangelism, I know maybe some of you feel a little hopeless. Maybe some of you feel a little imprisoned. You feel like your hands are tied behind your back and you don't know. How can I reach out to people? I mean, I can't even go to church on a Sunday morning, to the building of the church. I can't even go to Coach by Christ or the children's ministry on Wednesday night. I can't go to the prayer meeting or my normal men's or women's Bible studies. But I want to encourage you, as we see in the life of Paul, that even when Paul was imprisoned, he still cared for his people. He still delivered the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, salvation, and hope. He still shared with people and delivered to people faith, hope, and love in his troubling times, and we can too. Listen to this. Paul wrote nearly half of the New Testament. Depending on what you believe, he actually could have wrote over, the new, over half of the New Testament. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, we always have a great opportunity to advance the gospel or to evangelize a lost and hopeless world. And just like Paul, God will use you if you're willing to follow him and truly submit to him. Truly obey and listen to him. Paul was imprisoned. Some would say on house arrest. Others would say and have especially said recently, as I heard on the radio this week, somebody was saying that Paul was in quarantine like us. And yet Paul would write letters to people sharing the love of Christ, encouraging them, challenging them, and convicting them. Paul would note that his imprisonment was having the opposite effect of what Caesar might have wanted. Of what the government might have wanted. They wanted to quiet him down. They wanted to squelch him. They wanted to silence him. And yet all that they did was magnify God's work even more. Because now he was the inside man. Now as, as Philippians 1 here 12 to 18 tells us. Now he wasn't just reaching the outsider's. The cities, he was inside the city reaching the the royal guard, the imperial guard. Instead of the good news of Jesus being squilched or silenced, his imprisonment was actually helping to advance the gospel to the nations even more. We can do the same. I tell you, we can. See, I think that sometimes we forget that we are saints. We are everyday saints. Now, that might be hard for some of you to hear because of where we live or where you live. Or maybe that word saint just sounds arrogant to you. But maybe it's because you have a bad idea of what saint really means. You see, we need to deliver faith, hope, and love in troubling times. But I truly think that what keeps some of us from doing this is we think we're not good enough. We think we're ill-equipped. We think we're not worthy. We read these stories of Paul, or maybe Peter, or John, or other, other apostles or disciples of Christ, and we think, well, they were saints of the, of the New Testament. They were saints. Surely they can do these things. But let me tell you something. You are also a saint, Now, we're not extraordinary by any means, but neither was Paul. Paul was flawed. He had a past. He had a sinful past just like us. But we are everyday ordinary saints following an extraordinary God. We are everyday ordinary saints following an extraordinary God. You see, the word saint actually originates from a Greek word meaning holy or set apart. This is what I want you to hear. We are set apart. We are saints. We are set apart and made holy through Christ. We are a new creation. And you might think that you're not worthy. You might think you're not good enough. But you are because of Christ. Because of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. Let me read to you a couple points of scripture. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son... But gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God will give us what we need to accomplish his will, to accomplish his plan, his purpose. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. You might think that you're poor, but you're not. You are rich because of what Christ has done. You have been greatly blessed, and you are being empowered every day by having the Holy Spirit in your life, empowering you. You are a temple, and forgiveness is available to sinners. John 5, 24 tells us, Whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. We are set apart. We are made holy through Christ Jesus, our Savior. We are saints. You know, there's over 60 times in the New Testament that the word saint is used. And in every instance, the reference of saint is being applied to all believers. Never is the word used as a special group of people or certain people that was better than somebody else. Scripture is clear that all Christians are saints. But in Catholic theology, saints are a special class of believers who have earned special titles based off their works or deeds. But in contrast, I want you to look this up. I want you to see in the Bible that it shows us that every Christian is a saint because we're all set apart from the world. We are all new creations We are all not of this world because we have to look forward to a new world in Christ, a new kingdom in God, and that's being prepared for us even now. And as the intro song reminded us, one day, one day that will come to be. Ephesians 4.12 goes on to teach us that spiritual gifts are given to equip the saints. That's you. That's you. Spiritual gifts by God through the Holy Spirit are given to equip us. To equip the saints, to equip Christ's followers for the work of ministry and for building up the body of Christ. Clearly, the saints are ordinary Christians involved in service in the church for God's will. We are equipped. Now, enough about this stuff about we are everyday saints, but I think I've focused enough time on here. But what I want you to see is we have gifts as saints and we are to use these gifts. We are to show our faith. We are to be hope dealers. We are to be delivering the good news of love. And that good news of love is the good news of Christ. That God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. That we might not die but have life. Romans 5.8, a favorite scripture of mine and should be of yours, says that Christ loved us so much that yet while we were sinners... God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us, to die for you. Now, I know what you're saying. I know what some of you say. You say, but, but you don't know my past. You don't understand how bad I am. You don't understand the addictions I have. There's hope. But you need to trust in Christ. There's hope for us to deliver to a dying world. We need to be the everyday saints that we are, set apart wholly by Christ, and show the world our faith. We need to go into crisis mode evangelism and be a hope dealer. Deliver the good news of love. We need to be like Paul in this scripture, in Philippians 1, 12 to 18, and we need to make sure that in all things... The gospel, the good news of Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, that this is advancing. God must be magnified. And this starts by realizing that what matters most is not ourselves looking good. It's not our comfort. What matters most is that God is being magnified. And even in our afflictions, even in our troubles, even in our struggles, even in our pain... The gospel can and will advance. And in all ways, God will continue and always will be our refuge, a bringer of hope to our lives. But as read in John 3.30, He must become greater and I must become less. You see, Paul was experiencing great suffering, difficult circumstances, and yet still he shares his face with the imperial guard. He shares his face with all that he comes into contact with. He shares his faith, his hope, and his love with others, and he points to Jesus. Guys, we need to use our situation, use our circumstance as a great opportunity it is to remind people where true hope comes from. Show them your faith. Show them where you place your trust. In something that can't be taken away, and something that won't fade. But something that with each day gets more powerful and powerful as you continue to study and worship God and pray to him. Paul reminds us in this scripture that we can and should do this fearlessly. Let me read this to you once more. I think I'm doing good on time. He says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. And to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Verse 14. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment. And dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. Did you get that? Because of Paul's imprisonment. Because of how he continues to worship God in his affliction, in his troubles, in his suffering. It's causing other believers to fearlessly proclaim the word of God, to preach Christ. But he does go on to say that to be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. But others out of goodwill. There's always going to be some people that want to take advantage of a situation... Maybe they're going to try and use this to make somebody else look bad and themselves look good. Maybe they're going to try and use it to become famous and get fame, undeserved fame. But then there's going to be others that do it out of goodwill. They do it for God. But listen to this. In verse 16, he says, These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. But here's how he ends, verse 18. What does it matter? Guys, what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Here's what I want you to see. I don't think that any of you listening want to proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, or I hope not. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to say that. But I do think that maybe some of you are afraid. Or I don't want to even say ashamed, but maybe you think that that you just don't know enough. Or you're not good enough. Or what are people going to think? I want to remind you what he says there. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true... Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Here's what I want to tell you guys. God can use it all. God will use all things... For the goodness and better of his people and for his plan, his purpose, his will. Even, even when you feel you just fumble with your words and you don't know what to say. Even when others might try and proclaim Christ just to get attention for themselves. God can and will use it for the goodness of his plan, his purpose, his kingdom and his people. And we can rejoice in knowing that. We can rejoice in knowing that our strength, our power, our hope doesn't come from ourselves. It comes as Paul so often reminds us in knowing who Christ Jesus truly is. In proclaiming Him, His love, and having faith, trust, hope in Him. Paul continues to point people to Christ through his afflictions, And he says that 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 helps other people to do it too, fearlessly. But I want to point back to one other verse. Back in Philippians 1, we remember the statement of his. He says, people know and see the gospel advancing because his imprisonment is because I am in Christ. I want you to say that now. I want you to say, I am in Christ. Go ahead, say it. I am in Christ. That helps having at least a few people here to be able to hear people are saying it. Say it to yourself. Say it in your mind. Say, I am in Christ. Guys, we need to remember this. As we're struggling through life and as we're fearlessly delivering our faith, hope, and love to the world, we need to remember I am in Christ And we have a Holy Spirit in our lives empowering us to give this good news, the gospel, to the nations, for all people. We need to be evangelizing, sharing the good news with the world, even now in crisis mode. I want you to say that again. I am in Christ. Thank you very much. I want you to make sure that somebody beside you now, maybe you've been saying it to yourself in your homes. I want you to make sure that that person sitting beside you can hear you. So on the count of three, let's say it again out loud, fearlessly. One, two, three. I am in Christ. I can't hear you. I mean, really, I can't hear you. So let's say it once more. One, two, three. I am in Christ. You know, we should be worshiping God. We should be studying His Word. We should be praying to Him. And in all things, we do it in the name of Christ Jesus. We remember that He is where our hope comes from. Our love comes from God through Jesus, through the cross. We put our trust, our faith in Him. You see, Paul goes on to say that people would preach Jesus for good reasons and bad. But all that matters is that Jesus' name was being preached. You need to let people see what you just claimed. You are in Christ. Allow the gospel to be advanced because of that. You are in Christ. Paul rejoiced in knowing that Jesus' name, Jesus' works in the cross would be magnified, would be known by all people because he was submitting to God in his plan. So here's the application for you. You see, how do we, like Paul, advance the gospel? How do we have crisis mode evangelism? We may feel imprisoned like Paul. we on house arrest, as the governor tells us, to be safer in your homes. I think for once I actually made my wife proud. and used my quotation marks for a proper purpose there, the right way. We may feel imprisoned, stuck in our homes, but we can and should still be spreading the good news, evangelizing the word. We just need to go into crisis mode. We need to think a little bit differently. It doesn't mean that we stop evangelizing. It doesn't mean we stop discipling. It doesn't mean we stop worshiping just because we're stuck in our homes. Nobody can close the church because it's not a building. We continue to worship together even now in spirit and in truth. But relational evangelism brings on a whole new meaning when ordered to take shelter in your homes. I understand that. So we're going to come up with some ideas now for application. Some of them are on the screen here, but these are just guidelines. Take notes of these, but increase the list. Come up with your own ideas. And I welcome you to email me at the church or email the church at info at bloomerbaptistchurch.com and let me know your ideas. How are you continuing to evangelize the world around you in crisis mode? How are you continuing to disciple others? How are you continuing to worship God with your families, with your neighbors, with your friends, your relatives, with your your community? Let us know what you're doing. We start with our homes. Crisis evangelism starts at home, but it does not stop there. We need to be everyday saints by showing our families who Jesus is. You see, family worship is a very important part of God's plan for our lives. We need to make sure our children and our spouses and our families are being brought up in the knowledge of God's word. Worshiping him and in prayer. We need to show our faith, love, and hope in the good news of Jesus to our families. What do our children see in our lives right now? You know, I've heard from different families that right now they're realizing how much their own words, their own feelings are rubbing off on their children. I hear from our own families how they see fear, they see panic, or they see rudeness. They see maybe that we don't appreciate our leaders, we don't respect them. Maybe that's spiritual leaders, maybe that's government leaders. We need to be cautious to think, how are we bringing up our children? Are we worshiping with them in a way that honors God? Are we bringing them up in a way that honors God? But moving on. I saw a couple challenges this week, and I want to share one with you. One was by, I believe it was Dr. Russell Moore from the Southern Baptist Convention. I believe he's at the seminary down there. And he's doing this new thing on YouTube called Books in Exile. Where he's using this time of being exiled to his home to pull an old book off the shelf. Maybe something that he said for years he's going to get around to. Maybe it's the book that he gave up on, but he knows it has great content. He's using this as a time with his families to pull those books out and read them. We, too, can use this as a time with our families to pull some books off our shelf. To perfect, and I, I hate using that word perfect but to actually get into the Word of God and to have Bible studies with our families to worship Him and to but pray. But we also need to make sure that we're evangelizing the world around you. We should be remembering the words of 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 1, to 3-5, which says, I believe I got that chapter right, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I hope that brings a little bit of hope to you. It shows you what you're placing your faith in, your trust in. It shows you of what the love of Christ is doing for you even now and for your future. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 1, 3-5. In his great mercy, he has given us new births into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Then this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. These words bring us hope. And we need to focus on God's word for hope now. We need to allow the people of our communities, our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, total strangers to see that right now we're not panicking. We're excited to see what God will do through even times like these. We need to allow people to see that even when we're stuck in our homes, even when we're out walking on a walking path or walking around our neighborhood, because the governor did tell us it's good to go for a walk with our dog, um, we can still do it joyfully. Joyfully. We can still allow people to see that we're living with a trust in something beyond us, beyond this society, beyond this governor or this world. We can allow people to see that we have trust in God. We hope in Him and His love. We need to do this today. Paul writes that all know that he is in prison because he, was in, he is in Christ. We need to let people see this too. And maybe I've said it one too many times. I hope not. But we can do this through such things as letters. That's what Paul did. Now, I know some of you are thinking, letters, I haven't wrote a letter in 20 years. I know I struggle with writing letters because my hand starts cramping up after writing 10 words because I'm just not used to that anymore. Our fingers are used to just typing text messages or Facebook messages, Instagram messages. We, like Paul, can evangelize the world around us by letters. Paul would write letters, and we still can today. But don't just send a text message. Don't just send a Facebook message or Instagram message. Let people see that you're going above and beyond. You're going, you're going to make an effort to go out of your way to show how much you care. Pick up your phones. That's number two. How can we evangelize the world around you even when stuck in our homes, on house arrest, safer in homes, sheltering in homes, whatever you want to call it? Pick up your phones and call somebody. Ask them how they're doing. Ask if they have any needs. Ask if you can pray for them. And then pray for them right then before you hang up up the phone. But then continue to pray for them. Continue to check up on them. Continue to follow up with them. And in all these things, you open up great opportunities for crisis mode evangelism. To share with them the good news that you know of Jesus Christ. To share with them, to deliver to them your faith, hope, and love. That would never fade. Ask them about their faith. That's number three there, approximately. (laughs) We need to ask them about their faith. Tell them about Jesus and where your faith is. There might not have ever been as great a time as now to talk about your faith, hope, and love. There might never be another time like today to do so. Next, we pray. We provide for people. We pray. I saw a quote this week that said, The best Christians are sometimes those who are suffering the worst persecution. And we should pray daily for our brothers and sisters in lands that are hostile to the gospel. But I think we should also be praying for ourselves and them, as we see the world opening up more and more to hearing the good news. I was talking to somebody last night about their troubles, and they said, "I just do not I I don't know how the world does it without having hope in God." And that's just it. The world struggles to find hope because they're not hoping in God. We need to show them where true hope comes from. We need to pray for the church to step up But not just the church, the building, the pastor, the deacons. We need to pray for all of us, one another, fellow believers, to step up. Pray for God's will on earth. Pray for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Pray for a revival through times like these. Pray for protection on those he chooses to use in times like these. Pray for God to be glorified through the good times and the bad. And I know I skipped it. I'm coming back to it that word provisions, provide for people. Not just your one and others, not just fellow believers, not just your family members, your close friends. Provide for strangers, provide for people. Just this week, I had someone. Now, this was a good friend, I'll tell you. They delivered Dairy Queen blizzards and a balloon to my house. And what a great gift that was. It created a smile on our face, and my son is still running around the house with that balloon Last night he wouldn't go to bed until he hid that balloon in his closet to make sure the cat didn't get it. Guys, how can we provide for people? How can we create a smile on their face? Now, some of these provisions are going to be necessities. Delivering bread, delivering eggs, delivering milk, delivering medications. But some of these provisions can just be to help somebody to smile. Now, in all these things, though, what matters most is to make sure we're looking to create opportunities and take advantage of opportunities to shine a light to the love of Christ. Make sure people know why you are hopeful. Paul starts to end by saying, what does it matter? What mattered most to Paul and should to us as well is that Christ is being proclaimed through all things, but especially through these troubled, troubling times. Do not allow your troubling times to cause you to take your eyes off of God. Allow your troubling times to encourage you and challenge you to look to Him even more. Look to His Word. Open the Bible. And pray with Him even more. Have a Bible-based discussion with somebody. Have a gospel-centered conversation. Have some video chats with people over Zoom or Facebook or other technology. We are blessed with technology today, that we can continue our witness to the world. But then finally, we need to rejoice. Rejoice. Paul ends this, this section talking about rejoicing. Rejoice, for we know that good things are to come. Rejoice, for we know what we have. Rejoice, because we know that whether in life or death, we have life. Eternal. We have faith, hope, and love. We need to rejoice knowing that as Paul, we have helped to advance the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rejoice in knowing that we have helped others to see where true faith, hope, and love is found. Now, these ideas are just ideas. Come up with your own. Come up with something that works for you. Maybe it's using that right now media to start a Bible study with a friend. With a neighbor or relative and just calling them up and saying, Hey, every week I'm going to watch this video, this Bible study. And I encourage you to also watch it from home. Or open up your Bible with somebody and say, Every week I'm going to read a chapter from the book of John. I want you to read a chapter too. And then we'll call each other on Wednesday night. And we'll just talk about it and we'll pray. Look for ways to study God's word even more now. To worship him even more and to pray. And have crisis mode evangelism. Let other people see you rejoicing. Let other people see you rejoicing. Before I close, I want to read you an excerpt from a book to you. This comes from a pastor by the name of Kent Hughes, and he says, The apostle Paul had ample reasons to fill down. We also have ample reasons to fill down every day of our life. This Kent Hughes goes on to say, Paul was the missionary general of the early church, a type A personality if there ever was one. Confinement was tough on his activist soul. He knew the gospel as did no other. He was the preeminent theologian of the apostolic church. He had more knowledge in his little fingers than his detractors had in their combined IQs. He had the right stuff. He could take a beating like no one else, but Paul refused to have a pity party. There was no why me from Paul. Paul only cared cared about the advancement of the gospel. About Christ being proclaimed. The good news of Jesus must be proclaimed. What are we doing with our life? I go back to that introductory question I asked you. What do you live for? Is the fame of Jesus' name and all that he brings to a person's life of most importance to you? Or is comfort and ease of life what you desire? Because if you're looking for comfort, if you're looking for ease of life, if that's what you're desiring and right now all that's being stripped away from you, your freedoms might feel like they're gone, you're going to be miserable. Because you're not placing your faith, your trust, your hope in the love of God, the love of Christ. But if you truly care most about God's purpose, God's will, in the name of Christ being proclaimed, professed to all the nations... You'll find your trust is placed well in the proper place. You'll find hope. Our faith, hope, and love must be realized and shared with others. Life will have its ups and downs for all of us. There will be times when we feel metaphorically chained by the circumstances of life. We'll have times when we feel misunderstood, ignored, spitefully used, abused, But if the gospel is first in our life, we will be able to say with Paul, what then? What does it matter? What does it matter that we're being persecuted? What does it matter that we're stuck in our homes? What does it matter that somebody makes fun of me? What does it matter if I look like an idiot or I look dumbfounded when I can't find my words? As long as I'm following after Christ, I'm doing as the Holy Spirit convicts me to do, and I am proclaiming Jesus and where my hope and faith and love comes from is him. Let people see this. Whether from false motives or true, Christ will be proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice and I hope you rejoice with me. We need to look to having, have crisis mode evangelism. Even now today, Christ must be proclaimed. Your faith, hope, and love must be known and shared. Let's go ahead and close our eyes. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for showing us through the life of Paul that we can advance the gospel through all circumstances. Even while in crisis mode, house arrest, safer in our homes, we can and should be evangelizing the world. We should be spreading the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, and how he is still in control, still living today. Lord, Help us to show the world where we put our hope in, our faith in, and that we're not afraid. And they don't need to be either. Now, Lord, we know that this doesn't mean we don't take precautions. This doesn't mean we don't look out for the safety and well-being of our families and our friends and our neighbors. But it does mean that we use this affliction, we use this temporary time of struggle to glorify you. May we glorify you in all things we can and should find our hope, faith in you, faith and love in you and share this with the world. Amen. Please listen to this song as we close and thank you for tuning in.
1: One day there will be no more waiting left for our souls. And one day there will be no more children longing for home. One day when the kingdom comes right here where we stand, we will see the promised land. Mm. One day there'll be no more lives taken too soon. One day there'll be no more need for a hospital. One day every tear that falls will be wiped see the promised land be no more anger left in our eyes one day the color of our skin won't cause a divide one day we'll be families standing hand in hand and we will see the promise See the promised land.